Welcome to the Vineyard Cleveland podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For further information and other resources, please visit vineyardcleveland.org. Well, this morning we are culminating our, our journey in Advent and we're celebrating the, the time where Jesus was born and turned the world on its head. Jesus indeed turned the world upside down. I don't know how many of you uh, have family traditions or movies that you like to watch around Christmas time. I know that one of my favorite traditions in uh, movies is to, tonight on Christmas Eve, every Christmas Eve, after the kids go to bed and the house is quiet and there's not a creature stirring, not even a mouse or a golden doodle, I like to turn on It's a Wonderful Life and watch the movie It's a Wonderful Life. Now for some of you, and wouldn't you know it, every year that movie makes me cry. Every year on Christmas Eve and it's a good kind of cry. So um, I don't know how many of you uh, know this movie. Some of you might love this movie like I do and others of you may not have heard of It's a Wonderful Life, Um, but uh, it's it seems like we've got a whistler in the bunch. Can we not whistle? That would be great um, for my attention. Thank you. Um, it's very distressing. Sorry. Um, where what? Okay. It's a wonderful life. Whistling into the new year. Here we go. Uh, man. Um, so uh, in the movie, if you're not familiar with It's a Wonderful Life, the story is a very familiar one. It's about a troubled man. His name is George Bailey. And George is rescued by this angel named Clarence. Now, Clarence is not what you would call a first-round draft pick of angels. He's trying to earn his wings. And in an effort to do so, Clarence shows George how terrible things would be in Bedford Falls if he had never been born. And one of the best quotes from the movie that I love is when Clarence tells George, it's strange, isn't it? Each man's life touches so many others. And that's definitely an underlying ethic or moral that we learn from It's a Wonderful Life, that our life, should we take our eyes off of ourselves, is so much broader than we would think. That our life goes beyond ourselves to touch so many others' lives which we're not aware of at all. And if we were to look deeper and ask the question that Clarence asked, I believe that's a really pertinent question for our time this morning. What if George had never have been born? We matter in life. And it's true, we don't need to just look at the movie screen. This plays out in reality. I mean, imagine our world, the world in which we live, if Martin Luther King Jr. had never been born. What about Abraham Lincoln? If Abraham Lincoln had never been born, or how about Rosa Parks, or Mother Teresa, perhaps, or Florence Nightingale? Florence Nightingale, the mother of modern nursing, she established the first education center, the school to bring nursing into an actual respected profession. For you nurses out there, you owe a debt of gratitude to Florence Nightingale. Nurses all over the world. Imagine what our world would be like without these people. And so this morning, we come to Christmas. We come to Christmas 
And it's true what's said about people's lives, that you can tell the size of the boat by the wake it leaves behind. Some folks' lives are like an ocean liner or an aircraft carrier. They leave this giant wake of a positive legacy in, uh, beyond them. Others are, are more like a sailboat, and there's a little wake that's left, and we don't know why that is. But we come to Christmas, and all over the world this morning and tomorrow, folks will be celebrating the birth of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. John wrote of Jesus in his gospel in John 21. He said this, John, uh, Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them was written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. How do you calculate? How, how do you measure the wake that Jesus left behind? It's impossible nearly to measure what a positive impact and how many people's lives that that little baby boy who was born in Bethlehem some 2,000 years ago changed. He truly turned the world upside down. What if Jesus had never been born at all? That's the question before us this morning. What if Jesus had never been born at all? Would it even make a difference Would anything in our world be different? What would change? Well, today, I'd like to give you my top six reasons of why our world is different or why the birth of Jesus is significant supremely. Some of you might remember Dave Letterman's show, and he would give these top ten, like, worst summer jobs, like Hornet Tickler, or like... (laughs) Or, or, or what was it like, lion cage tamer or something, like top 10 worst summer jobs. These are the top six reasons why the birth of Jesus is significant and why what we celebrate this morning is important to every man and woman on the planet. You ready? Okay, number six. Because Jesus was born, we connect religion with morality. We connect religion With morality. Before Jesus' life, there was absolutely no connection between your religion and that making you a better human being or a better person. Why do you think that? Why do you think that if a person says, I pray, I go to church, I fast, I I give financially, why do you equate that with being a better person? Have you ever wondered that? It's because Jesus introduced that idea. That idea came from Jesus. In the Roman world, the world which Jesus was born into, men and women, in the way they related with one another, in this example of marriage, was supremely different than our world today. There is a complete double standard, and yes, even in our world today, it exists. That women were called, if they were to be married in the Roman or before them in the Greek world, were called to be faithful and married to one man. But when it came to the sexual license of men, there was a complete different double standard. Men were welcome to do whatever they wanted. Jesus came along and shifted everything. He said, not only women should remain faithful, but men should be married to one wife and be faithful to her forever. 
This was a complete revolution in the way that people viewed marital relationships by way of example. He also said of widows in a culture that said widows must remarry and widows could not own property. Jesus said, you're welcome, widows, to continue to own property and you don't have to remarry if you don't want to. And the early church took these principles to heart. The early church followed these teachings. What about this one? Do you think girls should be able to be married at the age of 11 or 12? (laughs) Daisy gets it. Daisy gets it. Daisy gets what we get. It is well documented in the early church that they stuck out like a sore thumb because they would not give their daughters in marriage until they were at least 18. Do you realize how significant of a shift this was on the face of the earth? Because Jesus was born, we connect religion with morality. Because Jesus was born, women and girls are valued and infants are protected. This is number five. Women had no role in Roman religion whatsoever. But with Jesus, we see examples all over the early church of women as apostles, as prophets, as evangelists, all over the scripture and all over the early church. This was a dramatic shift in the way that Jesus treated women. It was a shift. It was a shift. In fact, God set it up so that women were the first ones who arrived at his empty tomb when he resurrected from the dead. Women were the first evangelists to spread the good news that causes great joy. Okay, how about this one? Do you think that every child is entitled to the right to live? Yeah. What about this? Do you believe that girl babies should be just as protected as boy babies? Yes. Where would you ever get this idea from? Where? Again, it's Jesus. Pop quiz. Every answer is Jesus, just so you know. (laughs) The answer is Jesus. In Jesus' world, Romans and the Greeks before them, if the baby was found to be a girl, it was commonplace to take the baby and throw, literally, throw the baby outside to be left in the elements, in the cold, or to wild animals to be eaten. Because girl babies were not wanted in the ancient world. It is well researched through archaeological digs and through exposing of Greek cemeteries that it was rare It was a rare thing if a Greek family had more than one daughter. Do you know why that is? Because the world that Jesus was born into, female life was cheap. And infant life was even cheaper. Because Jesus was... Do you see? It's not as obvious. But because God was born as a baby and valued all human life, it completely shifted the way his followers acted in the world. 
completely different. That was revolutionary, that early followers of Jesus believed that every baby, whether in the womb or outside of it, had the right to live, had the right to breathe, had just as many rights as adults, had ju- the, that girl babies had just as many rights to live as boy babies did. That's, that was completely different in the Roman world. Okay, number four. Because Jesus was born, the sick are cared for. Because Jesus was born, the sick were care, are cared for. Do you think that the sick should be cared for? Do you think that the elderly should live out their remaining days in peace? That they should be looked after? Do you think that the sick should be nursed back to health? If you said yes, the answer is Jesus again. Jesus taught when he lived on earth, Jesus taught that the sick and the elderly were to be cared for, that the sick would be nursed back to health. In the Roman world, when a plague would hit a city and just sweep through the city, All of the Romans would flee the city. Do you know who went towards the sickness? The Christians. The Christians went into the city and cared for the sick and the dying. Cared for the sick and the dying. Because Jesus was born, the sick and the elderly are cared for. Florence Nightingale was a Jesus follower. She got it. She understood the words of Jesus. She got that the sick and the dying should be cared for and that the sick should be nursed back to health. She got the words of Jesus in Matthew 25. She had it deep in her heart. In Matthew 25, Jesus says this in verse 35. For I was hungry. This is so different. This is so different from what is going on in the world. Listen to what Jesus said. Jesus comes along and he says, I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Jesus. Then the righteous on that day will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? When did we see you thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go and visit you? The king will reply, I tell you the truth. Whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters, you did it for, the NIV says for me, The the translation is, you did it to me. Jesus so identified with the poor, Jesus so identified with the sick, the Gospels say that when he saw them, he was moved to his guts with compassion. And that was revolutionary in his day. Jesus changed everything because he cared for the sick and the elderly. Number three, because Jesus was born... We're taught to forgive those who hurt us. Now, we take this one for granted, but this is the big one. I don't even know if it should be number three. It could be number two or like 1.5. This is a big deal. Let me ask you a question. Do you think it's better 
to forgive people or to hold grudges and get revenge? Do you you believe that it's better to seek reconciliation with someone who's hurt you or to seek to be a peacemaker? Or do you believe, like most of the Jewish tradition that Jesus came from, that swift justice should happen, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, or even worse, an eye for a slap or an insult? Which do you think is better? Where do you think you got that idea from? The answer again is Jesus. The answer is Jesus. He taught his followers to pray. You guys know the prayer in the New Testament. He taught his followers to pray, forgive us our sins as we forgive our debtors. Forgive us. As we forgive. Another person asked Jesus, how often do we have to do this? How often? You see, it was so different that people who listened to Jesus were like, how often do we, how often must we forgive other people? And Jesus says, not just 70, 70 times 7. In other words, until you can't forgive anymore, you keep on forgiving and forgive then after that. That's completely different from the world that Jesus was born into. And here's the goodness that Jesus linked eternally. This was new on the face of the earth. There's nothing new under the sun unless it is Jesus, you see. He linked eternally our ability as humans to receive forgiveness from God and our willingness to extend forgiveness to those who, to anyone who hurts us for anything. Do you see that? Those two things are one now. Our ability to receive forgiveness from God and our willingness to extend forgiveness to others. It's a game changer on the face of the earth. Yeah, Friedrich Nietzsche and the nihilists will tell you, gosh, I wish it were better if Jesus were never born. But they missed the forest for the trees. They had the luxury of living after the cross. They don't know what the world was like before Jesus hit the scene. Forgiveness was unique to Jesus teaching his life and to the early church from which he came. Number two, because Jesus was born, we know what God is like. We know what God is like. Do you think that the God we worship at Christmas time is love? Any takers? Yes? How about the God we worship at Christmas time that he's good? That he's kind? That he forgives us? That he shows compassion? Where did you get that idea from? You know, many people in the world will critique and criticize Christians. And they'll say about Christians, they're just a bunch of people who are blindly groping around, searching in the dark to explain the unexplainable, to express the inexpressible, to to search or seek just in the darkness for this hide-and-go-seek, elusive God. 
I'm here this morning to encourage us that because Jesus came in the form of a baby, we don't have to guess anymore about what God is like. You and I don't have to guess anymore because Jesus was born in Bethlehem 2,000 years ago. So us Christians, we'd ask the question, what is God like? Well, what is Jesus like? We ask the question, does God love children? Well, how did Jesus treat children? What did Jesus think of little children? Jesus welcomed the little children. Jesus said, don't hinder the little children from coming to me. And so, does God love children? Yes, because Jesus loves children. What about women? What does God think about women? Well, how did Jesus think about women? Jesus extended dignity to women. Do you know that Jesus never told a joke at a woman's expense? Do you know that Jesus never judged a woman by her appearance, by her age, or by her weight? Do you know that Jesus never called a woman crazy? Husbands, side, mo- side note, don't ever call your wives crazy. Jesus never did that. Jesus uplifted the dignity of women. Does God love women? Yes, because Jesus loves women just as much as he loves men. What about people who've messed up? Does God love people who have messed up just as much as people who are successful? Well, how did Jesus deal with people who messed up? How, How did Jesus think about people who've done something stupid? Jesus forgave them. Jesus welcomed people who messed up. Jesus brought them around his table and his company. So how does God feel about people who messed up? Or people who are successful, both. Jesus loved them. And so God loves them. God loves people, all of us, who have messed up. The answer to all of these questions, as Daisy and Ruby are reminding us, is Jesus, that God um, feels exactly how Jesus feels, because God is exactly like Jesus. God's exactly like Jesus. We don't have to guess anymore. God's like Jesus. We don't have to go around searching in the dark. God is like Jesus. And because of this understanding of what God is like, we can be sure the inverse is true. We can be sure because because Jesus stepped into the world as a baby that God knows how you and I feel. Because God put on skin and bones, this is completely different from the eons of years that people had been trying to get to God, to get closer to God. God comes in the form of a baby to show us that he knows how we feel. Because God came as a baby in the person of Jesus, 
He knows how it feels to be betrayed by his friends. God knows how it feels to be hungry. God knows how it feels to be tempted. God knows what it's like to be persecuted. God knows how it feels to be in physical pain because of Jesus' death on the cross, beaten beyond recognition. God knows how it feels to be human. Many times we say God is just off in some cloud. He doesn't know how I feel. Let me tell you something. God knows exactly how you feel this morning because God is exactly like Jesus. And Jesus put on skin and bones to show us what it was like. To show us that he could resonate with the human condition. God came to us to show us that he knows how it feels. Do you know what I say? What, what I'm trying to say when I say he knows how it feels? You know how it feels deep inside? I'm not just saying, oh, God knows how you feel. Get over it. I'm saying God knows to his guts because he came to live as a baby boy in Bethlehem 2,000 years ago. God knows how you feel right now. God knows how you feel. He knows. He knows the inner core of who you are and can empathize with that trauma in your life. He knows how you felt when you were on the verge of suicide alone in your room. He knows how it feels to be human. Mm -hmm. Because God is exactly like Jesus. And the top reason why the birth of Jesus is significant, in my opinion, you might have your own top six. You might have your own top ten, your top a hundred. But in my purview, the top reason why the birth of Jesus is significant is because Jesus was born, people's lives are changed today. Because Jesus was born, people's lives are changed today. Some of you know my story. My story was very dramatic in the way that Jesus changed my life. And to spare you the details with our time remaining, let's just say that I was on death's, literally on death's doorstep. And then Jesus stepped in and saved my life. Jesus changed my life. I know countless others in 20 years of following Jesus and chasing after him who share the same story of dramatic shift in their life, a revolution in the way that they were headed towards death, and then they met Jesus and their whole life changed. I know folks over the course of my following Jesus who literally had the gun in their hand, ready to end their life. And then Jesus stepped in by some miracle and saved their life and changed their life. For others, it's not so dramatic. It's more like a, a sunrise. It's gradual. Some folks I know have been uh, uber successful gobs and gobs of money, yet they felt empty inside. 
until they met Jesus. And then they met Jesus and their whole lives changed. They finally found meaning. They finally found purpose in their lives. I've known folks who, because of forces beyond their control, their lives were torn up. I've known others who were torn up because of divorce, because of separation or estrangement. All of these forces beyond their control, their lives just shambles and mess in the throes of addiction, what have you. And then they met Jesus and their lives changed for good. I've met searchers who sought their whole lives and the only person who could satisfy them was Jesus. Listen, Jesus is not just some historical figure who lived for a brief moment in time, did some good, some positive things on the earth, and then died and left this massive wake of positive legacy. The difference between the birth of Jesus, this person Jesus, and all of the folks I mentioned before, and many others, the difference is that this person whose birth we come to celebrate this morning is still alive. He's still alive. He grew up. He didn't stay the Talladega Nights, baby Jesus, eight pounds, six ounce, baby Jesus. He grew in wisdom and stature beyond all of his peers. He performed signs and miracles for thousands to see. He went to a Roman cross. He wasn't a victim. He willingly gave up his life to forgive our sins. He didn't stay dead. He raised from the grave, conquering, defeating death once and for all. And then he ascended to heaven and sat at the right hand of God. You see, Jesus isn't just this person who lived and died and left a positive legacy. He's still alive. He's still, Jesus is still exerting his power through the veil. By the power of the Holy Spirit, Jesus is alive and changing people's lives all over the face of the earth. He's still changing people's lives. No one, no one in the course of history and no one in the future will change as many people's lives as the person of Jesus whose birth we celebrate at Christmas time. No one. Amen.